This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good evening, everyone, and welcome. We are hanging and banging artists on lockdown week 39. We've been doing it every single week. I'm Ron Onesti here at Rock and Roll Heaven in St. Charles at the Arcata Theater just outside of Chicago with my two brothers uh, where we meet every week to talk to the biggest names in rock and roll. Tonight, a very special edition of Hanging and Banging because we've got guys who are usually, normally, got guitars, drumsticks, uh, keyboards in front of them. These guys have microphones in front of them, just like we do here tonight. So let's start the show with bringing my two brothers on. First, uh, my lateral brother, because he picks on me a lot, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. Uh, you know him from Dio. You know him from Last in Line. You know him from Black Sabbath. Vinny Apice, the legend himself, where he had their vent. Now, so you guys pick on me for all kinds of things. Now, I got dressed up for you personally. Uh, am I? Am I? Where's Ron? <laughs> Uh, What's with that? Look at that sweater and the jacket. Oh, wow. Am I impressing you a little bit? Yes. I wore green for you, so it's not black. See? I appreciate that. I very rarely wear the colors now, so I thought I'd wear green for Ron. Appreciate that. Hey, let's bring our big brother to the microphone. You know him from Jeff Beck, Rod Stewart, and, of course, the fudge, the legendary Carmine Apice. Hey, there he is. I'm a piece. I know. Yeah, <laughs> you made a mistake. Hey, hey, how, how you doing? Look, I'm all heavy metal down. I got a heavy chain. Look at this. Look at this. I wore something. I never wear stuff riding. And you were. You were. What did say? Yeah, I thought I'd be. What's it say? Riding. What's it say? Affliction. Nobody wears those anymore. Shut up, you. <laughs> Uh, hey, you know what? what? Hey, good thing is last week's show was put on uh, um, Blabbermouth. Did you know that? What's that? Yeah. You know that? Oh. Last week's show was put on Blabbermouth. And, and also uh, metal. I, and the whole thing, yeah. And I, I, I love Blabbermouth, but you know, the problem with Blabbermouth is for me, every time we do the comments, everyone says Tasty. that I'm wearing a wig. No, right? you've got a great head of hair. So, I'm, so okay. I'm, I'm here to show this is my hair. See? It's not no. a wig. You see, there's all kinds of gray under there. I'm growing it out. It's all my hair. 
Ron's wearing a wig. Ron's wearing a wig. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a very special flesh-colored wig that I like to wear. <laughs> it's attached to the jacket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, don't take, don't take the jacket off. No, you don't want that. Where yeah. are you, Vinny? I can't tell you how much uh, I love your background of that uh, wall and couch. It's nice. It's a Isn't yeah. it nice. Look at that. Look, it's all. I'm. I'm gonna paint this room. It's too light. Gotta yeah. something. This was the old girlfriend color or something. I don't know. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so we will paint it dark. Is a really special show, guys. I mean, this is this is you know. Maybe you guys, I know you guys don't feel the pressure. I mean, I'm always around you, I, legends, icons, you're Ted Nugent, you're all, all these guys, Bumblefoot, you know, and those are big-time musicians. Um, tonight, we've got guys that are regularly behind the microphone, and this is a little intimidating. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you know what? Right. Hey, I had a good friend of mine, AJ, that runs a radio station for Lehigh Valley College. He's probably watching. He said to me today when I talked to him, he said, Got to tell Ron he's doing a great job. Wow. That means a lot. They're so really you're doing a great job. Thank you. No matter what Vinny says. No matter what Vinny says. Well, let's yeah. get to our guests because I'll tell you what. But, but you better be good today because you got the pros on here. No, I'm, I'm nervous. I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to – you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to give them like a word because those guys, they can just run with a story. I'm just going to say Zeppelin and then step back and for 20 minutes. I'm yeah. going to – Beatles, step back for 20 minutes. It's going to be easy, but I am intimidated. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Let's bring these guys again. I'm very excited. we got one guy that's going to, going to meet us in a few minutes because he's just getting off the air. But our first guest, um, this guy, see, you know, I'm in Chicago. You guys are out there. Uh, well, you're in Florida, but you're East Coast guys, obviously Brooklyn guys originally. And so uh, uh, this guy is in California, but he is syndicated all over the country. And we listen to him out here. Not too far from me is this little town called Rockford we're going to talk about. We listen to him on KGL. Let's bring Uncle Joe Benson to the I'm already intimidated. Just ah, don't be intimidated. Just You promised me one of those jackets exactly like yours. Absolutely. It has to be big enough. For, uh, <laughs> yeah. That's well, exactly here. what I now, will. Never mind that. Uh, Uncle Joe, we're <laughs> all Italian <laughs> over here. And I have an, I had, uh, he passed away, unfortunately, an Italian dad. And oh. you see, look, there's his name. My dad made this jacket. It was a tailor. Oh. My dad. Nice. So I'm wearing it. So, so, so there's only one in the world, then, of that jacket. <laughs> Thank God, right? Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> That's good. That's good. It's just, be you two got by the time it. we're you done tonight. It. Two of them. Okay. <laughs> Uncle Joe, this is going to be a tough hour because of these two guys. I'm just telling you, they're very difficult. You know, Ron, you, you failed to say that Joe was on the air at KLOS uh -huh. for so long. That's that's where we met Joe. And he, yeah. was, he has that voice that whenever, you know, you know when he was on, no matter who was on, when that voice came on the radio, you knew it was him. And we did a lot of great stuff together. We did my drum offs together. We did... A lot it of promotions. Was, Me and Vinny did interviews with him together. We had so much fun, and that's not always the way it is with some musicians who aren't here. Yeah. Aren't going to be mentioned by name either along the way. But I was in the Midwest until um, I was in Cleveland doing mornings. Was I doing mornings there? Why was I, why was I doing that? Oh, that, that's what I did so much of. And then I came out here in 80. There we oh, go. There's a, oh, my God. Look yeah, at that. Man. That's exactly what the interviews are like with these guys. And oh, yeah. believe me. I know. Yeah. <laughs> 
Look at that. Look at that's that. a couple of cannolis uh, earlier. In the <laughs> you know, between me, I'm, I'm like the ham. I'm like the sausage me, between the bottle. Or between yeah, the it's bottle, a meatball sandwich there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it was definitely a um, uh, an Italian kind of session you had last week. Uh, it yeah. was the last week you had everybody was. Yeah. Was, yeah, a lot yeah. of weeks, actually. A lot of weeks, yeah. <laughs> just so like we have another guest I'd like to bring just in this conversation because, again, these guys are legends beyond the microphone. This guy's got a podcast that's really, really uh, uh, popular these days called Concert Pipeline. I, it's What I love about it, I'm going to talk to him about it in a minute, is just the variety. It's really, really something. Let's bring Steve Jones uh, to the microphone. Hello, Steve. Hey, Steve. Hey, how's it going, Ron? I know, I know you said... I know you said uh, there was only one of those uh, jackets, but your dad actually made me one. I was going to wear it today, oh. but you know, yeah. uh, oh man, we got to come back. Wow, now. boy, you guys, you guys. So Steve, you actually had five grand that he would have charged you, really? You know, he what? said it was on the house. So yeah, what, 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 what's what your problem with him? That's what the oh, question. Man, that was, yeah. well, good to see you guys, Steve. Welcome. I see you've got a great <laughs> background. We know you're on your, uh, you're, you're on your uh, um, uh, vineyard uh, back there. Um, I am. So you're at about 300 shows or so. Is that right with Concert Pipeline? Yeah, yeah. We're hitting 300 in a couple of weeks and we keep on rolling. I mean, the, you'd think the COVID would sl uh, slow things down, but, you know, it actually opened up for us to um, interview bands around the world and um, and bring a lot more guests in. It's really cool. <laughs> I love your, your variety. I was telling these guys earlier, you know. And uh, well, before we get into all this stuff, guys, you know, let's just talk really briefly about this whole COVID thing. I mean, you know, typically, you know, these guys, they're touring. They can't tour. Uh, I have I put on shows. I can't have bands coming in. But your worlds, I mean, it hasn't really stopped. I mean, if anything, it's given you more material. Am, am I right? Oh, yeah. 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 It's a lot more somber. Um, of course, I'm working in uh, – classic rock i think everybody's touching on that somewhere along the line and uh, we're dealing with people that you worry now about the will Mick Jagger make it until we're done with this whatever yeah, I mean, else, whatever yeah. is hitting us right now yeah. is going to be what you know what's going to happen and to go an entire year without working they're, yeah, they're going, well, they're going saw, crazy have you seen a recent picture of jagger i mean you know he's always i mean you know he hasn't been um Oh, a looker, let's call him. But lately, I mean, you know, he's actually officially hit the old man uh, uh, thing. I mean, my gosh, it's really affected him, this thing. Uh, yes. Hey, Ron. Ron, yeah. uh, we have a surprise for you. <laughs> we got oh. Mick Jagger here. Yeah. Uh, in the room with you. <laughs> Mick Jagger. Uh, you know, this is how they bust my chops, guys. They, they really, really do. He hey, wants you know, to have a word with you. <laughs> Whoa. So the the intimidating thing about there he is. That's not what what yeah, I can tell you that. Yeah. You see yeah. that? It's hard to see. Yeah. You got him on FaceTime there, right, Carmen? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just pulled up Mick Jagger. Oh my God. He looks worse than my arms look. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking at my arms. I go to I look at my arms. Whose arms are those? They're not my arms anymore. You know? But yeah, it, it, getting old does suck. <laughs> yeah, man, it's a tough one. You know, Uncle Joe, it's it's uh, it's really cool to talk to you because you know I'm out, I'm outside of Chicago and uh, I've done a lot of things in Rockford and I know you know we know you from KGL out in Rockford and, and uh, I believe they are operating some of my shows around there as well. They, they definitely outstanding radio station, one of my favorite. Well, they they definitely are, and um, and I and I just you know the intimidating thing about 
you really, I, I call it intimidating, is it as much as being on the, on the air like you are, but your knowledge of classic rock, of uh, everybody's shoe size that you know. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. How did you come up with the concept of the radio guides? Because those are, I mean, I've used them. I mean, those are amazing publications you put together. One of the things that I'm famous for is I'm doing something that later becomes a very successful business. But I'm the guy who sets it up in the first time like that. I've been, mm -hmm. uh, I've always been more interested in the music and the musicians and what they're playing and what they're going through than how many times uh, Keith Richards had his blood changed, which right. not, not one I understand, but just the same. <laughs> and I get to- You're suggesting he has blood. I know, and I've owned all of the, well, let's not go there right now. Right. And I've, I've got people I've worked with starting in the late uh, 68, when I was first on the radio, mm -hmm. and uh, 70, by then uh, people are coming through like uh, the original REO Speedwagon and Sticks have been around for a long time and mm -hmm. you name her. Seeger had been by, but I missed him when he came through town at that point in time. And I've known everybody since it went along. And I was, we were joking about this before. If they're an asshole, they're not coming back near me because I got enough of those to choose from in the first place to stay away <laughs> from them. But over the years, you find people who have survived all kinds of stuff. And by the time I got here in, uh, where was I at? It was in uh, KLOS in um, 79, I think it was, 80, something like that. Uh, uh, 10 years after I started into radio, I was in Los, at Los Angeles. And you start running into people there and run into Carmine about this kind of thing. And what do you want to do? Well, nobody's made any rules yet we can break. So we're going to have drummers come up here. Great. They have to wear clothes. I don't want anything like that. And then we see, of course, the, the one girl that was different. I don't know what you're talking about. So, and, and you see the things you go out and you play. And we at the park at one point had like like 5,000 people or something like that. Oh, 10,000. 10,000. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. God. And they're drummers. So, you know, and they're very competitive. The rest of the music world is not competitive. Guitarists never argue with each other. Oh, no, oh, no. 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 <laughs> <But> just, <laughs> and how are the wrists hanging? <laughs> it's just the same. And I've been around for that kind of stuff. And doing the uh, seventh day was a program we came up with where we still seven albums a night. And I had a little story behind each one. Yeah. And then I began to realize people are really paying attention. So I did more and more research like I should have done in school. Mm -hmm. And uh, I came up with, you got pages of, um, grab one of my books around here, show them off. And I'll sell it to somebody along the way. Yeah, uh, but I, I was working on, I needed scripts for what I was doing. I have been writing on my entire life, usually on schedule and uh, came out with the, uh, yeah, that's the one there. Uh, so I, well, I'll just break out a book. It's going to be easy because everybody prints. There was no digital at that point in time. So I had pages and pages and pages and tons of wire and all this kind of stuff. So we started, okay, uh, people call and they want a copy of this. So we'll make a book out of it. And by God, in those days, you were making a book out. just like a pain in the ass program to do in the first place. And then suddenly people want more books. Well, that's unusual in rock and roll music. You know, I got the take the one with the cover on it. I don't want that one. It's a second you know, shelf, those, I Let me tell you something. Your radio guides, and this is something, Carmine, Vinny, this is something that we should tell our, our, our people here because, you know, I mean, you guys, you 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 uh you uh, uh musicians, instrumentalists, I mean you got you go to parties, you give each other gifts, you bring a bottle of wine, you do this. This is a great <laughs> gift to give a musician, I'm just telling you. These are great Christmas gifts, great because the, the amount of information is unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna look that's it. There we go. There it goes. It's just like, and that's uh, Carmine with his pants on there. Oh, no, no, that's Jimmy Page. That's completely yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. more pants. In, in the back of that, you see, I was racing back then as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's why I have no money. No, sorry, kids, you cannot go to college. We have businesses to do. 
And uh, I think you could live down to that, and it made it more easy at that point in time. So many uh, talented people were getting shut out by the grunge or by the whatever the hell the current thing was, the two-year favorite things yeah, yeah. someplace along the line. And suddenly people started, uh, Ian Anderson was one of the first ones and, uh, wow. uh, that uh, talking with him. He said, you know, you've, you're the person we've been looking for that is not a biased individual, and this is the way the story goes. And we spent several times with Ian and, and uh, Martin Bear and all that stuff going over details. They get a call at 4 o'clock in the morning because they're in Poland someplace playing before right. the place, and they wanted me to know that it was the Black Knights of such and such. Like, That's great news. Thank you very much. <laughs> and it ended up, I had, as things went through, the people I've dealt with have been so lucky with. Uh, there's two I haven't been able to get to uh, for various reasons. And the rest of them have been just outgoing, uh, unbelievable. And you get uh, Steve Perry, I think it was the first person he spoke in, in great detail once the world was changing for him. And right. carried, carried over to other people as well. Everybody had something to identify with. These are humans behind. And the ones who are, are jacks, our uh, uh, asses, I don't deal with them. Sure. So there, there's uh, some reasons why... Why you're here and they aren't is another way to talk about it. You know, you talk about Ian Anderson. I mean, that had to be an un. I mean, he's he's known for not being a uh, just a straight shooting kind of interview. Is is kind of an odd uh, individual. Matter of fact, Martin Barr, I talked to actually today just to oh, really? tell him that he oh, yeah. because he was yeah. I talked to him specifically two hours ago because he we we were going to do some things this year and he yeah. decided nothing in 21. Just put everything. I, I have two or three shows with him. He's putting them everything at 22 now. He's not even looking at 21. Isn't that terrible? I'm going to have to grab I him. I talked to him today. Oh, yeah. that's, I'm, I'm impressed. i got to go talk to him now. Is he still waiting in the lot? Yeah, go I'm ahead. Scared. I want to talk uh, to Ian, Ian Anderson. Let me finish an Ian Anderson oh, thing. Please, yes. Something about him that was different than anybody else. He's slayed as a pig. To, 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 those guys are really good, too. And Ian Anderson, uh, the guys uh, put together the record company and all that kind of stuff. And the, the rules were, we'll give you the cash. Half of it goes to buying property. Because in 20 years, when you're no longer a big star, you're going to have property that'll be, the trees will be coming mature and the fields will be all that stuff. He ended up owning the entire uh, Scottish uh, mm -hmm. fish farm because that's the kind of guy he is that way. And everything is always done that way. This is the music. This is the way it's going to go. And yes, he could be cantankerous, but. Uh, cantankerous. Yeah. That's the first word I would think of. When I think about <laughs> Anderson, Ken Tankeris, <laughs> you've done these great podcasts, and I tell yeah. you what, you know, I've I've done, you know, I've looked at several of them, and and uh, it's amazing to me your variety, your your your, I mean, the scope that you have. I mean, you go from from, and it sounds to me like you started this really correctly. If I'm wrong, it's like you're a fan, just want to talk to some of your legends and icons, but now you're talking right. to like Gary Oldman, which just blows me away. Yeah. Oh, and that show in particular, I mean, I can talk for an hour just on that show because I mean, he, uh, he played a, Bo a Bowie celebration in San Francisco, uh, mm -hmm. where there, there were 75 musicians playing throughout the night. It was the most amazing concert ever. Um, and we're actually pr uh, promoting they're they're re-airing that show from San Francisco from five years ago. Uh, so we're working with them to, uh, to promote that on our, our next episode. But, uh, but Gary Oldman, being tied into that like i mean uh, it was great to just talk to him about bowie and facetiming bowie on sundays you know and uh, and his memories uh, there but then uh, to have all these musicians come together and pay respect to uh to you know bowie and including you know we interviewed um jerry harrison from talking heads that night and holly palmer from bowie's band and um you know a bunch of other uh people as well i mean that show is incredible and um you know yeah. Let me ask you, did, did he touch, I mean, this is kind of off topic, really, but 
did he touch at all on his portrayal of uh, of Lee Harvey Oswald uh, in, in JFK? No, I didn't get there. I, I tried to keep it as much on Bowie, and you know, right. and you should have. You know, it was a different sort of uh, atmosphere. I would have gone, you know, more in depth in different areas with that, but but with that night, like I was just trying to really focus on, you know, Bowie and there and celebrating David Bowie really because he was the uh, the star of that evening. It's and and you would never think a guy like that, you know. I mean, he's not the first guy you think about when you think about Bowie celebration. No, or music, yeah. you know, or singing or anything along those lines, which made it even more incredible. It was like a it was a magical evening. I'd say. Uncle Joe, you'd be from, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to harp on the radio guides, but I just love them so much because they're so really so full of, of trivia and, you know, yeah. facts. And what, is there anything, a guy of your stature, a guy of your celebrity, a guy of your experience? Um, is there anything well, that, thank you very much, Jerry. <laughs> uh, that, you know, a fact or some, some little bit of trivia that even blew you away out of your own book books? Oh, indeed. The books, the one that I just showed you here, this one, there's a, a, mis, a misset uh, date for somebody's birth. And the one thing you want to do, everybody in that band got a hold of the top of the book, and they're like, hey, hey, you got the real number for him. Not many people have that. And you think, well, that's kind of strange and all that stuff going on. But when it comes to actually things that, wait, was the question? I'm going before I go to into the hole over here. What was the question again? We don't know. There we go. Okay, run for yeah. the hell of it. <laughs> okay. I was spaced on it, though. What was I talking about? Give me a story, Joe. <laughs> you want a story? Okay. I want a story that's in your books, your radio guides. One of the things oh, about the surprises you find out, it so happens that I have a son who's a guitar player and probably knows more about uh, anything to do with the Beatles than anybody because he's yep. young and has realized the things that can distract you. And so he's said over the years, I've written several books on the Beatles. I've done lots of things on those guys, guys, because they're yep. fascinating. They're so brilliant and still, they were just kids. And there were so many things, take a vacation. You won't like it. Okay. That, that kind of stuff is going on like that. But you see those kind of things and you find out that, uh, what was, there was one here the other week that you pulled of, uh, was it Led Zeppelin and they pulled off the sound of one of the uh, guitars? Because these books are just, I'm, I'm looking for that. Now. I know it's interesting. I'll find it by the end, but the book. So, there, so you finally have books to see pictures of what the instruments look like, all these guys work and all these things. You know, that's amazing how they did that kind of stuff. And the kind of things that these guys over here on the other side of the screen here, Carmine and Vinny, not only is a family operation, but also a great sense of humor. And the instruments, they've the stories we've heard about these, about who they were playing with, how intense it was, and how one of these two people actually played with the Beatles, or a Beatle, as the case may be, and that would be the last person in the world I would expect ever to have him do it. Of course, he was a very child. A very, uh, child thank you. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, watch it. <clears throat> well, there's, there's, so many, there's so many things, and what we're dealing with, what the three of us, what you have in here is three guys working in radio yet. We're still on the air, and there's not many of us left, so I'm behaving real well in uh, – yeah, well, you know, like I, talk, like I just mentioned about Steve's variety and his scope, just like yours. I mean, you not only have music, but you see even your, your comments of you, you go from Jean-Paul Sartre to George Carlin and everything in between. Amen. Yep. As a matter of fact, one quote that I liked about George Carlin, he, he talked about, let me think, it was like, um, it was uh, how he defined fast food. Fast food to him is a cheetah eating an antelope. Now that's yes. fast food. <laughs> <laughs> 
There are so many. Uh, I can't go into that. I, I was involved with uh, uh, mu not musicians, uh, comedians for many years. Part of my shows at the KLOS and the other places as well. Uh, they always had a night we went out and did things, and I played laughter on the radio. It was so radical. He's playing comedy things in a record. So much idiotic by management. God bless them all, and we wish them the best. But at the same time, comedians come in, and they're there for the moment. That's it. They might not remember the joke from two weeks ago. Don't bring that up. That's an old one. That, that kind of stuff's crazy because the guitarists, they're picking it up and picking it up more and more and going on. The drummers, yeah, there's always something going on, a little clip in there, the kind of things. Um, just over the past, you were talking about something two, uh, five years ago, a, a thing for Bowie that you guys put together. And uh, cool. there was at the same time that um, uh, Emerson, uh, Keith Emerson. Keith Emerson? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had a giant thing put together. Uh, um, in tribute to him, and here we're dealing with musicians who are the absolute top of the most difficult stuff in the world. These are the guys that never, they went home and did more practice after they had their lesson and then stayed up all night playing the same instrument over and over and over like that. And brilliant artists, there were no guests, there were no, no guests, there were no assholes that were allowed in the thing like that, and it was just pretty amazing for people of the ilk that was going on. And it was the same thing as you're talking about there. Everybody was trying their hardest play these complex things the best that their bands could we we loved him so much loved him so much for the things he did the music he brought on that he had sure. everybody from jeff scott baxter uh with the biggest yep. most most luscious in the world and stuff they were <laughs> just everything about it was just amazing and here's it's coming out uh monday on dvd i believe or whatever whatever mm -hmm. whatever the process is these days is finally coming out it's brilliant and as again it reminded me that the really good musicians and everybody here is included well, Ron, and uh, <laughs> not you at all. The, it's the timing. It's the timing. It's only the timing. But all this, all these people are so respectful of the music, and that's what I don't need. The people that light their hair on fire and have all that kind of stuff. That's or turn it purple. No, purple. Purple's okay. Yeah, purple's okay. Uh, Steve, I like let me ask better, you but. real quick. And we're talking. Uh, Uncle Joe's talking about some of the things that, that lights his fire. Now, again, we, 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 we talked a little bit earlier about or touched how you really got in this. You started as a fan, like, wow, maybe I could talk to my legend, my, my hero. Who was <laughs> the hero that you really aimed for at the beginning that got you this whole podcast thing in the first place? Oh, you know, um, I know you guys have had Ted Nugent on a couple of times, you know, yeah. and and, uh, and I would say he's one of the most interesting interviews that, that I've done in, you know, the 15, 20 years or whatever I've been uh, interviewing bands. You know, I mean, just to sit down with him for half an hour was was incredible uh, and really, you know, a, a memorable moment for me. Um, as far as, you know, for me, one of my favorites, though, I mean, I'd say someone you guys probably don't know, but um, his name is Andrew McMahon. He's had a handful of bands and uh, and he's a piano rock guy uh, and uh, and just getting to interview him a number of times I mean has been uh, incre incre so cool and even kind of getting him like when I was do I was doing this in college even and he came to my college dorm so it's one of those experiences wow. right where you know your hero is in your your home really and uh, and to get to you know interview your hero in your home is is a pretty cool thing. Well, let me let me throw the curveball at you. How about the other side of the coin? The guy that you were so, or the person you were so excited, and he turned out to be what Uncle Joe uh, likes to call an uh -huh. asshole. <laughs> well, okay. Did you, I'll, say, I'll, did you get that properly? Say they're an asshole. Did you say that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. Better not do that. Okay. <laughs> I'll, 
I'll share okay. the story. So uh, <laughs> I'm going to throw it out here, and and I'm Wait, sorry. Before you do that, it's not anybody on this on this on this. It's board. it's not, but I would say it's probably likely someone that you guys have worked with. Uh, and uh, I had a, a, an adverse situation with Danzig. I'll say. Oh, uh, okay. stop oh, there! And, stop there! And, and yeah, is that enough? Is that enough of the it's story? <laughs> say no more. Yeah. Well, let me let me tell you a, a little story today. Uh, our guitar player with Cactus is a guy named Paul Warren. He played on his his original song he ever played on was uh, uh, "Pop Is Like a Rolling Stone," right? So I had sent. We have the new Cactus record coming out April second. So I, I sent plug. a, a <laughs> plug. So I sent a, a I sent a copy of one of the songs to Ted Uncle Ted, right? To Ted and. Uh, Ted came back and said, oh, man, that's killer. Who's the guitar player? I said, well, he's another Detroit guy named Paul Warren who played with Rod and Joe Cocker and Tina Turner and all that. So he said, oh, I'd love to talk to him. You know, so I gave Ted Paul's number and they, they talked. So today I talked to Paul and he said, you know, I talked to Ted and it was really a great concept about how we used to record in Motown. It was all done in one room in one take. There's no multiple takes, usually one to three takes. Everything was done all at once, and it was great. And he said, then I, I said, well, when did you first meet Ted? He said, well, I met Ted when I was 14 years old. He was playing at a, a, a somewhere, and, and uh, Paul went to see him, and he went into the bathroom, and at the urinal was him and Ted talking. Mm. Right? So, so Paul says, oh, I really love your new album. Uh, you're a great guitar player. So Ted says something like, I'm the greatest, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, then like, they, and, and they then they start talking. And Paul says, well, what about Jimi Hendrix? He goes, he's pretty great too, Ted says. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, really funny, you know? I mean, but yeah. Ted, like he, you know, great interview. I mean, we had a great time with Ted on here. I know, oh, yeah. Joe, you've had him on your show many times. Yeah, he's, he's like, uh, when we had him on our show, we couldn't get a word in. I know. Yes. Twice. 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 Yeah. Wait a second. Now, I mean, Jer Jerry's a great guy in the mis Misfits. I mean, we're very, you know, we talk a lot, a sweetheart, a pro professional, uh, loves the fans, very generous. So let's talk about Danzig. <laughs> what was that like? Danzig. Uh. Okay, so how long do you think I'm going to live? That's another question. Like that, so we had an issue with Danzig with Black Sabbath. Sorry, we, Steve. We're, we were actually at a radio station, and we were being interviewed first, and then Danzig, and I don't know what went down, but there was almost a fight in the green room, and that's like with Black Sabbath didn't. <laughs> wasn't, yeah, these guys started, you know, I start the fight, but start while yeah. you're here. Well, that's all right. We almost had a fight with them with Cactus on their first, one of their first gigs in America. Yeah, which was fun. Over a bag of pot. I think I mentioned that on the show. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Call me crazy, but I, was for, one, for yeah. one, I would like to hear Steve Jones' Danzig story. Call me crazy. <laughs> crazy. No. No, so uh, I was supposed to interview him at like 5.30 in the afternoon, right, before, you know, before the show, and uh, and it didn't happen. It was pushed back for whatever reason. It, there was more drama that went on that night also. Like, I got locked out of my car. It, it was, I was not in a great mood, but uh, after the show, uh, I was persistent, right? The interview was set up, and it was going to happen. I knew his publicist, uh, yeah. 
and and I wasn't leaving without the interview, right? And so, like one thirty in the morning, you know, I finally get on the tour bus uh, to do the interview or doing the interview, and you know, I I went to an area I probably shouldn't have. I talked about the misfits, uh, and you know, asked him about them going on without him, and he, you know, he denied that it had happened. Yeah. And sounds like him. Yeah, and and I, you know, I wasn't the biggest Misfits fan, and I, you know, I can't, couldn't really probably hold my own in a Misfits, you know, uh, not at all, you know, with Danzig, right? I figured he probably would, but I was like, well, they kind of did, right? You know, he's like, no, and then he, you know, started. He said, well, you were smart, but now you're pretty dumb, you know. And I'll just say the interview didn't go up from there too much, so <laughs> it was a, it was a memorable moment. Yeah. Hey Steve. Hey Steve. Hey, yeah. Steve, we got, we got a surprise for you. Oh, here. Oh, you got the answer. Okay, great. <laughs> Let's bring him in. Let's bring him in. Nick <laughs> I got one about people who impose that are things like, uh, well, Vinny has worked for many heavy bands in, in, in Carmine as well, but uh, there was one in particular that uh, we were doing a Bonzo gig. Uh, inhaling to uh, Bonzo, the drummer. Yeah, the Bonzo uh, Bash. Bonzo Bash. Yeah, back yeah. and then at one of the shows, and uh, Michael Devon was a great bass player, great bass player. I've been, yeah. I yeah. love yeah. him to death. And he brought in his precious, the most precious amplifier he's had his whole life and all that stuff running because this is going to be perfect because Vinny's going to come in and play this. I don't remember what the song was, but damn heavy is what it was. And I, I know I know him quite well, and I kind of figured something might happen, but uh, so Devin's out there, the band's out there, going blah, blah, and they said, okay, and we're doing the intro, and we're doing a song. We decided to play some song from this band, and this guy will play something else like that, and whatever it was, it went into, and then suddenly uh, Devin's over there playing, and Vinny walks in, he says, louder. Yeah. He goes over, turns off, I said, louder. That and you just look like at it. this guy, it's just the face of Satan is going, this is too loud, louder, louder, like that. And the third or fourth time he turned up there, blew the amplifier up. Yeah, <laughs> oh. and Devin's going, yeah. "Oh my God!" And, and Vinny's going, you, "Yeah, you remember that, Vinny? Yeah, yeah." He was just trying to get a level, you know, like there's no time <laughs> for sound checks. How loud are you? I'm not going to hear that, you know. Crank it, crank it, it, it up. Was great, get loud. Yeah, well, I just love the whole. I mean, I think you nailed it, Uncle Joe, when you uh, poetically. Uh, and so uh, artistically referred to Vinny as the face of Satan. I think you <laughs> nailed it. I think you <laughs> Yeah, especially with that white wall behind him. What is that? <laughs> you ever pick on me from my background, Mr. Apathy? No, no, <laughs> That's right. White all. I, got, I mean, I, I, got, I got more black than Vinny does today. What's going on? Yeah, I, I lost all my gold records behind the black sheets. I'm shooting videos in there. Hey guys, we'll be right back after a few messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to our Hanging and Banging podcast. I'm Ron Onesti here with Vinny Apice and, of course, the legendary Carmine Apice. I got, I got to tell you, I've been I'm on the air for 50 years. I've been broke most of that time. I got to work as much as I can now, and that's, you know, that's the way it is. I'm playing music I fucking love and playing the same kind of stuff we did before. I got all kinds of, I got a story every day. It's one of the things from the interview. Got all the elements going in there, and it's fun as opposed to having a, here's a note from the sales a department. Chore, right? Said, <laughs> yeah. 10 seconds before right. you do things. So it's like that. And I don't know where, you guys, you, you work in modern things, I would assume. I'm, I'm Joe, we didn't tell you, but we got a 10-second break coming up. Ladies and gentlemen, 10 seconds. We're not your market like, like that. Ladies and gentlemen, everybody step to the back. <laughs> and further on down the road, ladies and gentlemen, here he comes right now. 
<laughs> Sorry, he didn't disappear again. Yeah. You know, we got to have you guys uh, record some uh, some intros for us. Uh, before yeah, we... yeah. Hello, this is to... Ken, and you are hanging and banging <laughs> with guys from Brooklyn. <laughs> hey, hey, Ron, you got to pay for those intros. Come on, look at it. I will definitely send Steve that bill. Absolutely. <laughs> hey, we Joe, Joe was the, uh, on our Drum Wars intro tape when we played yeah. shows together. He introduced right. every night in this corner. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot. Right yeah, yeah, yeah. We got Joe doing our intro tape. I, I made. I told him what to say on some of the things. Like I weigh a hundred. 70 pounds and he made yeah. a comment then i said call my plays double bass to burn more calories he's like 300 pounds <laughs> and he used to come out with a pillow in his in his belly too yeah yeah people crack funny. it up Hilarious. that was a great intro great intro yeah. hey uncle joe and ken uh and steve one second buddy but these two guys i want to ask them you know we all grew up with that uh, especially us baby boomers grew up with the whole dj aspect on air personality I mean, and literally personality and, you know, where you bring so much, there's the song, but there's the other, there's, there's the song behind, I mean, the story behind the song, there's your input, there's maybe a, a quick little sound bite of a, of a guest, all that stuff. And, and, you know, we see it even in Chicago. Now we're, you know, we had the, the loop for 40 years, WLUP, we have, a, you know, obviously just legendary rock and roll. We're down to one classic rock station. And even that, you know, I'll have... Uh, I'll have like guys like Carmine or Vinny or Ted Nugent, whoever come into my theaters and I'll call, you know, I'll try with the station. Hey, you know, could you do uh, uh, an interview? Can we do, no, we don't do that anymore. We just have to, I mean, what kind of, what kind of handcuffs are these stations uh, starting to put on you guys? I think Ken, Ken would be a good uh, answer for that, but I don't know if you want to be honest. <laughs> oh, no, of course. Uh, it's easy to be honest. I, I get to do everything that I want to do that makes sense. People say, do they tell you what to play? Do they tell you who to interview? No, no. They just tell us to be successful. They just tell us to make people listen. Yeah. Uh, you know, the days of, we don't do it the way we used to do it, but we still do it. And some bands totally get it. And some bands don't. I'll give you an example of, of a guy who gets it. And a great drummer. who's probably a friend of all of ours, Roger Earl of Fog Hat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Roger and Linda will call me up, go, Ken, Got a new album coming out. We're playing a gig in town. What can we do to promote it? Come on up and we'll do this. We'll do a live a video chat. We'll do a Zoom that's on the website. And we tag uh, Foghat, their website, in it. I'll play it back. I'll put it on the podcast. And we can fill a house for them and really sell it. And then I take a minute or two of it and play it on the air and say, you want to hear more? You go to Q1043.com. That's the new world. That's and it's it. the same thing, but it works for us. Yes. I mean, I used to love hanging with Carmine or, you know, Joe, I'm sure, yeah. like every artist that came up, it was just a different head of radio. People under 35 don't have the patience to hear us talk and play music for 20 minutes. It's not good or bad. It's just 2021. Yeah. Well, God bless you, Ken, because I got to tell you, well you know, I well do these shows around the country and stuff. And uh, what you're talking about was the way it was. That's ex that's the formula. That's where the, the, the DJs would practically partner with the acts and the promoters and all of us. We all want to be successful. You would you probably would go to the venue and introduce the act. You would exactly. Yeah, th th I'm telling you. I don't know. Like like I say, God bless you. You're still doing it. You're probably a party of one in the country that is still doing that because it's, it's just disappearing. 
How about you, Uncle Joe? Are you uh, able to get be a part of or allowed to to still bring what you used to bring to to an interview? I'm not interested in doing as much work as uh, Ken is doing right now. And that's a full time. I've been job. through that because I've done mornings and whatnot and all the kind of stuff like that. Finally, we were talking about this earlier on here. I think it's about time for me to maybe go into semi retirement, and I've got the. Uh, syndicated show i can do this kind of stuff and all that kind of things and then it turns out i'm now on 24 hours a day seven days a week <laughs> five of it starts out every day there's a new show and all that kind of stuff but it's completely you give it i wanted the list of music i want to know what you think we should be playing and i've been mm-hmm. the music director and all that and you've been through it too ken you know you know what's going to work and you can do something like foghat you know exactly how to deal with them to take care of it there's a lot of people not not a lot of people left to know what to do with that kind of stuff and young people coming up like but jeremy and his band well, they shut down the world and don't let anybody out to do any, any business that way. But at the same time, kids are short memory for uh, short time memory. Uh, some some of the things. So, well, you yeah. bring it up, Uncle Joe. Steve, you know, you talk about the kids. Steve, um, you know, Gene Simmons has not been shy about <laughs> how he how he feels about where rock and roll is going. Thank goodness Alice Cooper is coming to our rescue, or to or, or to your generation's rescue. Uh, uh, Gene Simmons is talking about like rock is dead. And the music of today, and the kids don't have any appreciation. All that stuff he's saying. Um, what have you got to, to read? How old are you, Steve? I'm 37. Okay, so what yeah. are you going to say to a guy like Gene Simmons with those statements? Ah, it's, it's not. It's only as dead as you let it be dead. Is the thing, right? They've been saying that. For, Amen to that. They've been saying that for decades, right? I mean, it's that's a line in my favorite movie, almost famous. Like it, it you know, and it, it's they've been saying rock is dead and trying to kill it for forever, right? But yep. you know, but it's it is still alive. There are still great rock bands. The Foo Fighters are still around too, and, and I mean, yep. their new album, you know, uh, Medicine at Midnight, is I- incredible, right? I mean, ba- bands are still doing great rock and roll, and it's uh, I mean, and even like I mean, Carmine, your great your your new single, uh, uh, Rock and Roll with Vanilla Fudge, right? I mean, right. that's. That's uh, awesome. I, I like it. It's a great uh, take on that song. And rock is not dead. It's, I mean, concerts right now are, but, yeah, right. but we'll, yeah. you know, I can't, I can't wait for those yeah. to come back, but you know, we'll revive those and rock will come back and you know, it's, it's not gone. I, you know, for, for me, uh, is it, it's not what it was and it's not ubiquitous the way it was, but for me, and uh, Joe, I have a feeling you probably feel the same way. I'm passionate about it. I saw, Jazz radio and the jazz auteurs and classical radio kill their own format because they didn't want to play hit that it was always programmed for the eight guys at the back of the bookstore because playing something that was familiar wasn't cool enough. Mm -hmm. And listen, that's why there's non-com radio. That's its great job. That's what some of the satellite channels could do. If you're going to be healthy, if you're going to have a KLOS or, or Q104.3, Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're going to play comfortably numb. The Eagles. Why do you guys play so much fucking Billy Joel? Oh, because a lot of people like Billy people Joel, like uh-huh. and it's just fine. He's selling stadiums seven nights in a row. Right, and on the same show today that I played Billy Joel, I can also play The Offspring, and I, I can play Stone Temple Pilots, and I'm playing Hotel California. And if you, to me, if you establish a big parameter yeah. for the audience. I always said, like, rock and roll has the biggest tent in the fairground. Right. We don't say no prog, no this, no that. It was Chris Squire's birthday today. I played Starship Trooper live for 10 minutes. Wow. I mean, how did he play that? Because the audience has come to expect that they'll get that surprise. But so the weird. next song was Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, if, if they didn't like it or it was weird, the next song was something they loved. 
Yep. And I, I think if you if you prime the audience and tell them, look, sometimes it'll be a little weird, but next song is going to be a big monster hit. You'll be fine. Yep. I think they'll come along with you. I really do. Well, like I said before, Ken, you know, again, I got to say um, that your approach and your ability and, and, and what they allow you to do, I'm telling you, I mean, I'm not telling you your business, but from my perspective, what I see, very rare because to play, you got, you got Squire, nobody, nobody, I mean, nobody, they'd be fired for doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. And you talked about, um, you know, we talk about rock is dead and, and you talk about jazz and, and even the stations that are trying to do a, a Dizzy, a, a, a Miles, a Charlie Parker, a, you know, something like that. Those, those stations are still maintaining. It's, I, it's, it, it's interesting that those stations are still maintaining their ground. They're, they're 0.14s, but they're, they're still there, you know, versus the classic rock stations are just going away. And that's what I'm saying. God bless you, Ken, for what you're doing. Yeah. And and we need you, you know, 3,000 stations across the country need you. I'm just telling you, that, that ability of something. Yeah, um, if, I, if I wasn't semi-retired, uh, I'd be trying to get into a job, job with you guys. Well, hell yeah, it, man. it snows over there, though, doesn't it? It, it does snow. It does yeah. snow here. Yeah. Here, no uh, <laughs> now, you know, and, and look at go, look, Steve gets to play with all kinds of things. I agree. That are, I mean, you've got three, three, three employed talents in the room right here and then the other guys as well <laughs> just, I mean, this is so this is so fucking cool though this is exactly you're doing what we try to do with the places i've worked mm-hmm. and now i've come into this other one and this is back into people of our age and a lot of young people as well i use my son again as an example uh, a lot of young people appreciate how good the music was from the day and how good some of the stuff was that gets played in that way as opposed to the Owners who come in and I'll stop talking. I'll shut up after this. The new yeah. owners come in. The first thing they do is fire everybody they can, get rid of everything yeah. that costs money, and then complain that the station isn't turning people around. You're not doing well enough like that. And every one of the companies, all three of the big three, and I was in two of the three, I think something like that. It was like, get me the out of here, please. Which that happened to you a couple of years ago, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's been all kinds of stuff like that. It's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, so there was talent, and then there was people. Uh, I, I, I haven't got any Christmas cards from them, so I don't know if I did something wrong, but just the same. This is a great little group here. Like, uh, and by the, okay, I'm just shut up. <laughs> what I would like to do is, I mean, we've got guys on, on the air tonight that are certified card carrying yep. certificate on the wall Beatles experts. Yes. Uh, I mean, you know, and uh, and I also love your take, uh, Steve, on on you know any kind of Beatles aspect. But specifically, I want to bring up the Beatles because obviously, you know, Ken, you're you're very involved uh, with your uh, the Beatles. Uh, you involve the Beatles very much in your show, and uh, and Uncle Joe again. You know your uh, uh, your uh, magazines, your radio guys have got tons of Beatles trivia on there. Mm-hmm. One of the favorite things that I, I I really enjoyed. You know, I was I was looking through one of your magazines. Joe, this has got to be, I don't even know. Um, Have we taken a vote yet to see who knows how to spell anything yet? No, oh, not yeah, yet. <laughs> not this one, okay, yeah. But, uh, but you, you, you told a little, a little uh, blurb about, or you talked about um, in 1963 when the Beatles were just starting in that, you know, that February, just before the march that they, they really exploded. Yeah. And um, you had Tommy Rowe with Sheila and yeah. uh, Chris Montez with Let's Dance, right? And Tommy yeah. Rowe and they, and, and 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 uh, Chris Montez, they go to England, and they're meet. They're met at the uh, at the airport by these four guys 
uh, their opening band, their support, not their opening, their support band, because they just yeah. those two guys went. Their their band members didn't go. The two guys went, and they they put a band together for them. And there's four guys with weird haircuts. And at the beginning, they were opening for them, then playing for them. And by the middle of the uh, of that tour, it wound up that the Beatles they blew up, and it wound up that the Chris Montez and Tommy Rowe wound up opening up for the Beatles at the end of their tour. And, <laughs> and because of what I read in your in your magazine, I got Tommy Rowe. I got Chris Montez. This is like four years ago. Uh, got Chris Montez. I brought them. I got the local Beatles tribute band. You know, uh-huh. and we, this whole thing we, we we reprinted the the poster from the night, and it was incredible. They told us, wow. and it all became from me reading one of your magazines. That's great. Oh, thank That's you. awesome, man. Great. Creative. Yeah. Anything Good else one. we can give them to sell? Thanks, okay. <laughs> That's, I'm, 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 all right, checks in the mail. <laughs> Uh, wow. some of, uh, I've noticed, I mean, you're, you're uh, of the 300 plus podcasts you've done, I'm looking at these bands and looking at these bands and I'd like to kid myself and think that I know, uh, you know, what I know about music and bands. I gotta say, I didn't know a whole lot of those bands. Um, uh, how, I mean, it's very eclectic. Yep. Yeah. Where do you get it from? Is it just your own personal... Yeah, so I mean, uh, a lot of it's kind of exploring, you know, what's out there. You know, I mean, yeah. concert pipeline stem from you know going to concerts and interviewing bands at shows. So it would be whoever came to the Bay Area, uh, and um, you know, big bands, small bands, who uh, whoever was interesting to me, right? Yeah. And um, you know, and then concerts stopped, and you know, and so again, you know, we have a chance to interview bands from around the world. So I'm interviewing bands in England, you know, bands in Australia. Love uh, that. And, you know, and, and yeah, and it's it's great to get to hear so many different flavors of music. And so, I mean, I have this really cool ability to, you know, I mean, really in, ingest music uh, for a short period of time and then go on to the next and uh, and hear uh, listen to them, but get get a sampling of so many different styles of uh, of music. And um, and it comes, you know, from building relationships with publicists and managers and you know and uh, and bands and kind of. Yeah, uh, you know they offer me other uh, other bands uh, that are that are interesting, and you know, and that's kind of how uh, Vinny and Carmine came to uh, to me as well, because I, um, you know, I have a relationship with John Lappin, uh, who they they work with, and and uh, John's been great, and I've worked with him for years, and um, and so it's just really awesome to get to talk to so many different uh, yeah. people and get a get and long form interviews too, where we get to dig in, you know, deep and go back to, you know, what music they were raised on and, and especially now where they're at with COVID, how this affected them, right? Because it affects everybody differently and we're all in this together and yeah. everybody's got a freaking story. So, um, it's getting to the, the root of that. And, and that, that's what I love about it. Right. There's, and with podcasting, there's no time uh, constraints or rules or anything along those lines, which is, I think you're doing a great cool. job. You can, we, you think you missed the uh, Martin Barr portion of our just well told beginning yeah. of the show here. Okay, uh, so I, know, matter of fact, I've, I've got him coming up in a little while for, uh, on a podcast for Beatles. I'm so sorry. I missked it. What a great guy. What oh, a tremendous great guy. This guy. In, in we had him about, on last year. Yeah. And one of the things about Tull, uh, they always, Ian had always write the music and record it and then try to find words that matched up for it. He always did it backwards and he's very angry about the thing. And then Martin would have different things to say, but how cool is it that you can pick up a phone or somebody get in touch with you and here's a guitarist from the biggest band there was 
in America, in the world, in uh, for a few months in 1970 or 71, remember it was all through that thing. And Aqualung has still got everything that's still that people identify with it. Mm -hmm. And you were there at the beginning of it. And, yep. you, and Steve was there to tell you what we were doing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we were there at the way in the beginning when we had a show in Chicago. Yes. At the Kinetic Playground. Wow. Opening act, Jethro Tull. Yes. Second on the bill, Led Zeppelin uh -huh. and Vanilla Fudge headlining. But, by the way, I got to interrupt for a second. Was, was I, I played the other, just a couple of weeks ago, I played Led Zeppelin and we were talking about opening acts. And I said, you know, Zeppelin, <clears throat> opening act in America for a band by the name of Vanilla Fudge. And I got an email back in 16 point type that said, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I did it. I did it. So, Carmine, so I wrote back. I said, "Look, the Beatles opened for Helen Shapiro. Yeah. Every the bands that last are because you learned how to tour. Yeah. You learn how to start. You're always the bottom of the bill to start. If you start there, you can build yourself there up, and there then you is. learn. Is that the poster? Yeah, awesome. that's the poster. Yeah." Wow. And then playground. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh my God. And you know, the funny thing about that is, you know, uh, I got to know Bonzo really well. We never knew the drummer of uh, Jethro Tull, who was uh, at that point, Clive, Bunker. Clive, Clive Bunker at the time. Oh, yeah. uh -huh. So when Clive was on with Jethro Tull, me and Bonzo were off to the side backstage throwing spitballs at him. <laughs> Classy. Right. Brooklyn in and the then, house, baby. And then Brooklyn when Zeppelin the when Zeppelin went on, me and Clive threw spitballs at John. And of course, <laughs> when I was on, I got spitballed by Clive and John. So it, it'll so I'll always remember Chicago. that gig. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> That's really a fun, well, we're gonna amazing gig. You so, guys, I, I can't uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Our hour is gone already. Um, you know, best of luck to you guys. We're gonna stay in touch with you guys. Would you guys come back on our show? Oh, absolutely. Hey, yeah. do I have time for a quick question? Absolutely. For the, absolutely. For, for, the, for both, for Carmine and Vinny. And yeah. it just came up last week. Yeah. Somebody said, I was I was raving about Ringo. I had just played, I forgot, we were talking about, you know, what I said, it was, we played Come Together. And I said, you could put any drummer in that room from Buddy Rich, mm. you know, to, to, to Bonzo Bonham. I said to, to Carmine, because I knew we were coming on, who would have come up with that drum pad? for come together who would have come up with that riff and somebody emailed me and said oh you you can't put him in the same category as neil peart and as uh. i've always to me and i want to take it from you guys ringo sorry is the greatest drummer for the beatles you, the beatles. you know it, and it's always are you the best drummer for your band and nobody and else could play like you and ringo oh, played melodic good Vinny. Well, Ringo played melodic. He was very creative. Anybody could play 2-4 through a host song. You listen to the Beatles, <laughs> there's, there's hangs, there's cool fills. Then Ringo might be playing on the tom or just mm -hmm. all these different parts, and, and it's yeah. incredible. Also, in the Beatles mixes, which nobody does, drums go up sometimes. Like if you listen yeah. to the Day Tripper. Drums get loud all of a sudden. Then when the voices come back in, they're pulled back. We don't do that. You know, nowadays, everybody. Now it's, now it's all level. automatic. Yeah. yeah. We, but they may mix the drums into the song, which is incredible. And Ringo's parts are incredible. Thank Absolutely. you. That's yeah. so cool. I agree. Exactly the same thing. Ringo, no, nobody, nobody would have came up with 
Dong, dong, da, 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 Exactly. Yeah. Where'd that and, come from? I wonder if some of that stuff is Paul. Some of it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but, uh, but I, you know what? Before Ringo, most drummers just used to play time. Yeah. Yeah. But he came up with the concept of drum parts. Yeah, yeah they were instead of Instead of time. You know, you get That's all the, the songs of those days, all the Motown and everything. R&B, you know, Tommy Rowe, anybody, they all just played time behind. But he came up with parts which were, you know, at the time, I didn't even understand what he was doing. So I was playing R&B, and I thought he sucked. Well, you know? right. But later, when they did the Revolver album and Day Tripper and Rain and stuff like that, even that Phil and Rain, we followed the bass, you know? It was like, Awesome stuff. As, you know? as I said, where where do you come in on Here Comes the Sun? Just that alone is yeah. one of the greatest choices I ever, a, a musician, a drum, not just a drummer, yeah. like you said, keeping time, but a musician. Where do you come in? There's no place to come in, but he found it. Yeah. Yeah. Carmine you know, would play through everything, and then <laughs> I came up with all the good parts. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I'm dead. Thank you, Vin. Thank um, you, Vin. But, but, you know, Vinny play with John Lennon. I met all the Beatles except Ringo. Oh. I never he's, met Ringo. He, you ever really meet Ringo, short. Vinny? He's really no, I just short. met John. Yeah, you met John. I met Paul. You know, I told you guys about that story of uh, yeah. George Harrison carrying the Vanilla Fudge album to parties, yeah. confirmed it with Paul. When we were doing the second Cactus album, Paul came in, uh, George came into Electric Lady Studios and we met him. And I said, wow, this is great. I met you know, I met him. That was the first Beatle I ever met. Then I met Paul, you know, and I met John with the, my mother's story of the lasagna. Yeah. Greatest story you know? ever. I've used right. that so many times. You guys yeah. rock. Yeah, and then I never, ever met Ringo. And at one point, they called me to do the Ringo All-Stars tour, yeah. right? And I was so excited. And then that year, they oh, yeah. had recorded that album with, uh, with, um, with John's voice. Right, they recorded yeah. the album, and so they released that album. And that year, they didn't do the Ringo tour. Oh man! And then the next year, they did it. They got somebody else, Sheila E. I think you know. And I said, Oh, oh man, perfect. You know? Sheila E. and you, I could see the the, the comparison. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> well, you know that. Go ahead, Ken. I was going to say, like he's become. I, I would never call, say a friend, uh, just an acquaintance. It's just he's so easygoing. You know, like we're like, uh, hey, Ringo wants to call in. Great. Hey, Rich, how's it going? Great, Ken. You get your. How, I heard it snowing, and just he's. He, it's like Paul. It's effortless to him. You call him. You know, Rich. wait a second. You call him Rich, Richard Starkey. You actually call him Rich. Uh -huh. Yeah, it, it became when he when a guy uh -huh. says, "Call me Rich." Like, okay, you, made, you jumped over the wow. wall. I was, trying, I was trying to find. Uh, I was, I'm thinking, who the hell is Rich? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, never really, I, I never heard him anybody. Okay. <laughs> no, you can't really what is that, Finn? What is that? John that's Lennon and Vinny. That's the band. That's, awesome. that's me. That's uh, me. Wait a minute. There. That, that makeup on. Oh, that's right. See? Wow. See? That's me right to John's left there, or to the right, looking right, at the right there, Yeah. Is that what John Colbert? When John Colbert was part of that, right? Yeah, John Colbert. Uh, where is he? There he is in the back. See? Yep. Is yep, that yep, Freddie yep. Mercury? 
Well, looks like Freddie Mercury to me. I don't know. They all look like Freddie Mercury to me. What's that? <laughs> that, was, that was 1975. It's because uh, John thought the show was for Sir Lude Grade in New York, in England, and right. John thought he was a two-faced uh, entertainment executive. So we went on with two faces on our head with no hair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he cool. went on in red jumpsuit. We went on in black jumpsuits. It was really cool. Kevin Brilliant. Bacon's, uh, six degrees of separation. Well, my Kevin Bacon is Carmine of Peace because I know everybody. I know uh, Jimi Hendrix, John Lennon, Robert Plant, all because of my one two degree separation through Carmine. Carmine. <laughs> you guys, <laughs> so I drink that for the show, man. This is really vodka. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. We need everybody. So if, okay. if we're going to be back again, let me interrupt your final thing. We're going to do this up again. Everybody gets one of your jackets, and we got yeah. the uh, oh, very yeah. special bumper stickers. It'll be perfect for is. everything you're doing, just like there that. Yeah. Where the hell is Uncle Joe? Well, we got the, question. the other bumper sticker that says, "On on hanging and banging, artists on lockdown." That's the other part of your bumper sticker. Yeah, there you go. I want a bumper we need sticker. Everybody. I want his jacket. Uh, I'm sorry. I would not put anything on my bumpers. <laughs> we need everybody to like. To my cars are too expensive <laughs> or too nice. See, Joe, uh, again, look what I can do. <laughs> that's the old car. I'm trying yeah. to get a word in. Impossible. That's, the old, that's an older car. <laughs> Steve, thank you very much. We'll be listening to your that's podcast. An older car again. That's <laughs> your pipeline. Good luck to you, buddy. Ken, yeah, keep doing what you're doing. Thank God for guys like you who are keeping it real, keeping the story. And, and thank you so yeah. much for having me on. This is a this is a joy. This is a true joy. Yeah, it's thank a lot you of fun. We have me. we have a great time. Next week we got Kenny Arnoff and Simon Kirk. Oh man, oh, oh, my Simon's God. a great friend. Oh, oh, so speaking of Beatles, you have to, you ask you know ask Simon his George Harrison his Friar Park story. Okay. Well, we write that down here. One of the greatest stories. That's one of the greatest Beatles. There, here's my two greatest Beatles stories: is your lasagna story yeah. and Simon Kirk's Friar Park New Year's Eve story. Okay. You we'll got the show with that. Thanks again, you guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, yeah, thank you, guys. Everybody, be safe. Joe, great to see you, my friend. Be well. Ciao. Bye, guys. All the best, everyone. All the best. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett. 
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 